Gregory Warner here to tell you about NPR's new international podcast. It's called Rough Translation. Each week, we're going to take you to a different country to hear a story that reflects back on something that we are talking about here in the United States. Maybe get a perspective shift. Travel with us. Rough Translation is on NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey y'all, Sam Sanders here. It's been a minute. Every Tuesday on the show, we bring you a deep dive conversation. Today, got a good one. Comedian Sashir Zameda. Probably know her from Saturday Night Live, and she did some pretty awesome impressions of people on SNL, like Michelle Obama and Beyonce. So, she left the show after four seasons earlier this year, but Sashir Zameda is staying very busy. Just put out her first stand-up special recently. It's on CISO, and it's called Pizza Mind. Great name. She's also doing a monthly variety show in Brooklyn. That one's called Sashir Zameda Party Time. She has a knack for the names. I'm just now realizing that. Uh, she's really just enjoying post-SNL life. Speaking of SNL, there's some good stuff in this conversation about Sashir's time on the show and how she got to the show in this really interesting way. And we talk about her old boss there, Lauren Michaels. I ask a bit about how Sashir left the show but I respected her decision to really not go too deep into that. Also, before we start, funny story. Got to tell you how much of a champ Sashir was in our conversation and how much of a klutz I was. Um, so I was studying up on her before the interview, and I saw somewhere that before all of her live shows in Brooklyn, she has ice cream in, like, the space. And I was like, oh, she likes ice cream. Is this for me? I saw. So I got her ice cream for our interview. Oh. <laughs> so I wanted to see if you want some ice cream. Oh, wow. It's kind of basic. It's been in Jerry's. That's um, nice. So I'm sitting flavors. here like, I did it. This will make the interview perfect. But. Well, you know, <laughs> it's funny. I don't actually <laughs> love ice cream. No! <laughs> I will eat it, though. That's very good. So they just bring it to you. It's like, it's for the patrons. It's for the people who come to the show. Oh, it's, it's, like, it's free for them. Yeah. This is how graceful and nice Sashir is. But, I mean, don't she didn't even like ice cream, no, but she gets it delivered to all of her live audience just because she's a great person. And then I bring her ice cream that she doesn't want, and she still gracefully takes like two or three bites of some melty Ben and Jerry's. And she ends up like consoling me during her own interview. She's just a champ. Anyway, here's the two of us, me and Sashir, and some melting ice cream in New York a few weeks back. Enjoy. Let's talk about what you're doing right now. All right. Um, you're doing comedy all over New York. You're doing like a variety show. Yes, I am doing a, a monthly variety show show called Sashir's and Made a Party Time. Yeah. And sometimes we have ice cream before the show. <laughs> but not you. <laughs> but I do not, personally. It, this is this caramel one really is tasty. To, okay, I do don't. like it. No, I'm going to eat all of it. Don't you worry. I love this. Variety show. Oh, yes, we have a variety yeah. show. So Shears and Made a Party Time. Uh, happens every month and in Brooklyn. Uh, we started at Union Hall, which mm-hmm. is in Park Slope. Mm-hmm. And now we've moved to the Bell House, which is a bigger venue. And nice. Yeah, it's just fun. We have a couple stand-ups. We do party games, which include the audience sometimes. Okay. And they all are kind of, like, based in truth in some way. Like, mm-hmm. we have, we've done a game called Honest Jenga, where <laughs> audience members will write down questions on Jenga pieces, and then the performers will play oh. Jenga and answer the questions honestly as What kind go. of questions? 
first time we did it, we got a lot of sex questions for some reason. Lovely. Yeah. I don't know what that is, if that's like a childlike instinct where you're like, oh, I can ask whatever I want. <laughs> ask some nasty questions. When the One of the times we played, it was shortly after the election, so some people were asking, like, political questions about that's fun but yeah i don't know it's just like nice to i like doing things where you just see more of a revealing side of people Mm -hmm. do you mastermind the whole thing is it like your production yeah when i started it i was curating it by myself and Mm -hmm. now i have a a producer with me marianne ways who's a great booker who i've known for years and we kind of talk about who we think would be good for a show and we really do think about like the vibe of the show and, like, which performers would do well on the same stage yeah. and, like, what games would be good for it. And the music, too. We, all, well, we always have music. music. Yeah. And you also had a special. Yes. That I watched and loved. Oh, thank you very much. Amazing jumpsuit. Thank you. That was fierce. Brandy Joy Smith is a stylist that uh, works with me, and she killed it. Like, nice. Yeah. It was, a, yeah. it was a good choice. You open your show, or the special, rather, with this interesting, like... Is it a skit? What is it? Like, you are in a fight with your own reflection. Yeah. Your inner monologue. Yeah. It was hilarious. Thanks. Um, How would you even describe it to folks who haven't seen it yet? I guess it's a sketch. And it's uh, me giving myself a pep talk in the mirror. And then the mirror talks back. But then it goes south. And it goes south. We get into a big fight. (laughs) Into a physical fight. And with your mirror self. With my mirror self. But then we, we get it together by the end. I was thinking about it and I was like, uh, I, like how much of that is comedy or like how much of that, of that was just like real we have every day when we fight with ourselves in the mirror? Yeah. Like where did it come from? Well, it came from a bit I used to do on stage where okay. I would fight myself with a mirror. And the context was a little different. It would be me practicing how to break up with a boyfriend. So really? it, I would like give myself a pep talk in this mirror. But can then you give me a sample of that, the breakup? It was just like I talk on the phone like, Eddie, can you come over here in a minute? Okay. I'll see you soon. Love you. Bye. Hang up. You said I love you right before the breakup. Wow. Just because you break up with somebody doesn't mean that you don't love them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Yanla. Wisdom being spoken right now. <laughs> <laughs> Got real deep. Sometimes you just need to break up. All right. Anyway. <laughs> That's like the title of a podcast, like an advice podcast. Sometimes called... you just need to break up. <laughs> yes. Sometimes you need to break up. People call in. They're like, what do you think? You're like, break up. Just break up. <laughs> break up. You knew what you were calling into. Yeah. No one calls a stranger for help about this kind of thing. Unless you know. Unless they want to break up. Yes. Yes. You Anyways. just want an affirmation. Exactly. Um, so you're doing so a break up. Break, yeah. And then I'm like talking to the, to the mirror and I'm just like, look, um, you know, it's not you, it's me, I just need some space, blah, blah, blah. And then in this stage version, you couldn't hear the other side, but I could. So yes. it, I would just be like, what did you say? And then, like, <laughs> have a full argument with the, with the mirror. And then the mirror would slap me, but I'm still holding it with my hand, but it's, like, slapping me around. <laughs> and then I fall to the floor, and we're, like, wrestling. It's choking me. And then I pass out a little bit. And then I wake up, and it's like dramatic. Like you, you can hear the audience be like, like laughing at first, like oh, that's cute, and to to like, oh god, <laughs> she's really beating herself up. And then I wake up, and I'm like, whew, glad I practiced that. And then a knock on the door, and then someone walks in with a full size mirror. Yeah. And then it, and then that's supposed to be my boyfriend. And then I, uh-huh. I'm like, oh, I can't do it. And then we just, I kiss the mirror. <laughs> kiss the mirror. Kiss the mirror. I but love I it. wanted to do something like that. And my friend Chioki Nasor, who directed the, the mm-hmm. special, 
was like, what if we do it at the top? And it's like you talking to yourself and like getting yourself ready for the special. And yeah. I was like, that's great. Love it. And I was able to actually voice some of the stuff I really feel because this is my first special. Oh, and, really? Yeah. Congrats. Thank you very much. Didn't feel like a first. You're oh, natural. that's good. You're natural. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I, it's not like I don't have insecurities or like stress or yeah. worries. So yeah. I just wanted to kind of like get that out at the top. Yeah. And then be like, all right, let's now go. let's go do it. Yeah. You do some really interesting stuff on this special that I love. Like, there's this whole animated interlude yeah. that I don't want to give away. But um, what's your approach to a thing like a comedy special? Because, like, they have been done before. Mm-hmm. There is a format. Yeah. Do you go into it saying, I want to be like that one, that one, that one? Or do you, or do you go into it saying, I need to totally flip this script? Hmm. And is there pressure to do that kind of thing? I didn't feel any pressure. Okay. I mean, thankfully, I don't think there's any rules to yeah. Specials. Yeah. Some may argue. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's kind of open-ended and you're allowed to do whatever you want. And that's happening more and more, mm-hmm. which is really nice. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, how can I make this mine? Yeah. But I think I, I did take a lot of inspiration from uh, Sarah Silverman, We Are Miracles. Okay. And I haven't seen that one. It's really good. I'll check it out. I'm pretty sure that's the one. Okay. Um, she does like... Sketches and musical interludes in it. No, Jesus is magic. That's what it is. It's That's called Jesus is magic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she got Jesus is magic. We are miracles. So it has a lot of ethereal kind yeah, of yeah. titles to hers. No, uh, Jesus is magic is the one where she has songs and sketches and just little cutaways, and I love that. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, you don't have to just have. You want a mic on a stage and a camera pointed at you, and that's it. You can do whatever you want. Do whatever the hell you want to do. And I can sing, and I do yes, like... Yes, you can. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and I like animated stuff, and I like doing these sketches, and I may as well do it in this special while someone's paying for it. <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah. I love the part where you really get into, like... What it's like to talk about race in the age of Trump. And you mentioned at one point that, like, you're having conversations about race and difference and bias, like, every day now. Mm-hmm. So more than before? I think so, yeah. Okay. Why do you think that is? Um, I think because it's, like, in our face more. Yeah. Something is in the air where it's, like, people who have maybe negative thoughts about race or class or gender or Love sexuality. Maybe they may be a little bit more racist. <laughs> maybe a little racist. <laughs> They're coming out. They are. They're they coming are ready. out of the work, and they feel comfortable to say whatever they want because other people in positions of power are doing that as well. So, yeah, I mean, I talk about it on stage. I talk about it with my friends. I think the more that we are open to talking about these things and the more aware people are, the more we'll be able to, like, combat it when we see it. Yeah. Well, give me an example of, like, one of those convos now. You do a little bit on stage in the yeah. special. Well, actually, the other day I was – because on, on stage I'll talk about when people say um, I don't see color. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, to me that feels so old. Like, it feels like most people are over that statement. Yeah. But I, like, still have to explain to people why that's bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was, like, it's like slobbing and say, don't touch my hair. Yeah. Like, we're still doing that. Yeah. It's just saying how, like, I hate when people say – I don't see color because it's a lie, first yeah, of all. <laughs> you can't see a color. <laughs> there's that. Even if you're colorblind, you can see shades. Uh-huh. And secondly, it's just trying to say, like, I choose not to see injustice or I'd rather not be bothered with the information that some people are treated differently because of the way they look. And that's not helpful to anybody. It would actually be helpful if we saw color and recognize how different people are being 
treated differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing how many times because I, I because I've talked about this on stage. Like I do other interviews where they're like, "But can't you just ignore it?" Or like. <laughs> Well, what if you just didn't think about it? And I'm like, I can not think about yeah. it, but also, why would I do that? Why would I ignore it? Exactly. And I could pretend that like STDs aren't a thing. Yeah, but then like, <laughs> but then I'm at risk. You know, like, exactly. <laughs> why would I put myself in danger <laughs> just because I want to choose that? The clap is not real. Yeah, and I choose not to believe it. Mind so. over matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you talk about your mother in the special. Yeah, and I love the f- you. From what you said of her, she seems amazing. She is. Uh, how is she dealing with conversations about race in this new time mm. and space that we're in? Have you guys talked about race? We talked about race a bunch, yeah. yeah. We actually did a thing for NPR for This American Life where I oh, interviewed nice. her about oh, nice. her experience growing up in Arkansas okay. during the civil rights movement. Yeah. She was one of the first black students to integrate a white junior high in her, in her town. Sounds and tough. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so her view on race has always been, like, a little distrustful mm. of white people, mm. and, like, rightly so. You know, now she's, like, more open. Yeah. And, um, but she always kind of has, like, a... A remove. A removed attitude when yeah. it comes to... My parents, too. Like all people kind of thing. My dad, he refused... To give my brother or I the sex talk. My mother had to do it. It was very awkward. But he was always eager to give us talks about race. Mm. And the one combo we had that I'll never forget, it was so weird. It was out of the blue. And, and my mom and my dad had white friends. I had white friends growing up. Um, but he was like, you can be friends with them, the white people. You can be friends with them. Never trust them. <laughs> he just was like, never trust white people. Yeah. He'd roll over in his grave now because I have way too many white friends. He was like, what is happening? I told you. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, not all white people. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I do get off stage and I'm like, do people think I hate white people? And I do think some people do think I hate yeah, white people. Yeah. And I don't hate white people, but I do hate White them. listeners, we love and support and lift you up. Sure. Thank you for listening. Yeah, you're fine. I mean, you're, you're you'll be fine. Like you don't need my support, but you know, the world supports you. So this is a, this is what I'm talking yes, about. This yes, is when yes, I do this. Yes. This is why people are like, does she hate white people? But I I don't. I hate I hate a system that mm. is built okay. to reward white people for being white and mm. to to disregard others. Mm. That's what I hate. Don't hate white people. But white people did, did build the system. Okay. So preach on it. That's that's it. That's it. But I do appreciate uh, more white people trying to figure out, trying to be woke, trying to be woke and understand more that maybe doesn't concern the group that they're in. Like just understand what's going on. March, do research, ask yes. questions. Like I love that. Although I hate when they want me to be the research. They're like, teach me about this thing about race, and I'm just like, Google it. Yeah. You got the same Google I have. Yeah. I can't, like, come to your house and give you race 101. Yeah. It it shouldn't be the black friend's responsibility or the the Muslim's friend, friend mm-hmm. or the Hispanic friend to, like, yes. educate everyone on yeah. everything. All right. Time for a quick break. We'll be right back with more from Sashir Zameda talking about growing up and moving around a lot and making it to New York. BRB. 
A quick shout out to one of our sponsors who brings you this message. Casper, a sleep brand that offers obsessively engineered mattresses, featuring Casper's supportive memory foam for just the right sink and bounce. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit. So try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash minute and use promo code MINUTE. Support for It's Been a Minute and the following message also come from Southern New Hampshire University, whose mission is to make higher education accessible and affordable online for everyone. If you were considering college, whether for the first time or going back to complete your degree, you want to make financially savvy decisions and avoid financial aid mistakes. You can learn more about Southern New Hampshire University and the top three financial mistakes to avoid by texting EDGE to 554433. Message and data rates may apply. Quick plug before we get back to the show. This summer, I know you do not want to spend too much time having to keep up with the news. So NPR has a great way to streamline your news diet. It's called Up First. It's a 10-minute daily news podcast out every weekday morning. It gives you a quick update on the news you need to know to start your day. Makes you real smart, real fast. I listen every morning. You should, too. Grab Up First on the NPR One app or wherever you listen to your podcast. Okay, so where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Indiana. Indianapolis. Did you like it growing up there? You know, I... I <laughs> <laughs> you're like, ah. I did like it, but I think with any town, especially in the Midwest, you're just like, I gotta go. Like, yeah. And I was was in a military family, so we what moved around. What branch of the service? Air Force. Okay. My dad was in the Air Force. He's retired now. So where'd you guys move around to? I was born in Okinawa, Japan, and then we moved to Lexington, Kentucky, and then San Antonio, Texas. I'm from San Antonio. I Whoa. live not too far from Randolph Brooks Air Force Base. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's where we were. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Then we went to Hampton, Virginia, okay. Riverside, California, and then my parents split. Okay. And then me, my mom, and my brother moved to Indianapolis, Indiana. Why Indy? Because that's where my mom's sisters were. That's where gotcha. my aunts are and cousins and stuff. So she had like a network of people to yeah. kind of help take care of us. Yeah, yeah. And uh, So how old were you when you got there? Nine or ten. Okay. Um, but before that, I was moving around a bunch. So the... Like, being anywhere at that point was like, why aren't we moving? <laughs> you wanted to move? I, I did. I was used to it. I was well, used to you hear these stories of so many kids being like, we got to move again, Mom. And you were yeah. cool with it? I, I guess. I mean, that's all I ever knew. Yeah. There were times where I was like, I wish I could stay mm. so I could actually, like, maintain these relationships. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, I do think that was a thing that, like, carried on in my life where I, I – it takes it actually takes work for me to maintain friendships because yeah. I would I would knew in my mind I was gonna leave soon. So it's like why bother? Huh. How does that affect your work? Or does it? Hmm. I never thought about it. I don't know if it does. I mean I I like touring. So it, like okay. I still have that love of travel. I <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. mind leaving home for a minute. Um I don't know how it affects my work. But I am better at it. I've been to therapy. <laughs> I'm trying to maintain those friendships. Now yeah. I have like a really close, like chosen family that yeah, I yeah. that I've created, and so, my actual family too. Yeah. So parents, but when you're nine, mm-hmm. that's got to be a hard age for that. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, used to them being a family, and I also didn't understand the concept of falling out of love. Like, what do you mean? I just thought if you're in love, you're in love. 
Oh. That's it. That's it. But you know, sometimes you just gotta break up. <laughs> <laughs> That's called full circle. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was a, uh, it was like not great, and it wasn't a like amicable breakup either. It was a little oh, really? messy. Yeah, and my dad moved to Maryland, um, and then got remarried, and we, it, me and my brother, like bounced back and forth between Maryland to like visit him. And but I did get closer with him when I moved to Virginia to go to school because he lived there. UVA, right? Yeah, UVA is interesting. Yeah, UVA. It's like I have some friends that went there, Mm -hmm. and not to speak for all all kids at UVA, and not even probably most, but like UVA is the kind of place where like I don't know. We live in this time now where people are supposed to be very aware of their privilege. You know, like, oh, my, I'm privileged and I know it. And this, But at UVA, the privileged kids are like, I'm privileged. <laughs> it's mine. It's mine. Like, <laughs> there's just money there and they don't give a damn. Oh, my gosh. You're calling out my past. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, I'm rich. And that's Mommy it. says it's fine. <laughs> what mean, was that like? I had or was a, it like that? Am I No, you're it? dead on. You, you're not <laughs> wrong. Um, but I had a blast because I really found a love and an appreciation of performance okay. when I was there. I majored in improv drama. Oh, okay. And I did do improv there. I started my own group. What was it called? A Moose Boosh. I like that. Yeah, right? I like that. It was the word of the day on dictionary.com. <laughs> 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 and... Um, yeah, started an improv group there. I directed the Vagina Monologues. And, oh, wow. You were uh, in it. I was in it. I revived the were Paul Robeson like Players. That? Oh, you were like... Yeah. Okay. What was it? So what was it like to be a drama kid at a place like UVA, which is full of country club kids, too? I, you know, it's so big. You it find just, your own niche. Yeah, it kind of okay. felt separated. Like, it okay. felt like you can just pick your crew and just go with them. So I didn't even really see much of the, like... Frat boy crowd. lifestyle. Like, it was there. But. Yeah. How did you end up from UVA improv scene, directing vagina monologues, to where you are now? Um, yeah, I did. Well, when I got to UVA, I didn't even know I wanted to do drama. Like, I, I did show choir in high school. Um, talk, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't just mention show choir and not talk about show choir. You were an... Oh, I'll talk about show choir. <laughs> Let me guess, you were an alto? Yes. <laughs> Yes, I was okay. Outside. Okay. What was your, out, your 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 outfit, your costume? We had these purple glittery dresses. They were pretty awesome, <laughs> and they they were just have like this shiny iridescent uh like slip, and then like a tulle set like purple layer that is on top of it. Extra. Oh, all of it's extra. <laughs> it's so extra. But I remember one time we also like they wanted you to have like a lot of curly hair, and my hair was like. To my shoulders, yeah. but like I didn't feel like curling all the time. So my mom bought me this clip-on ponytail, so that <laughs> so I could put my hair up in a oh, and then a, in a ponytail, and then like yeah, clip it on, and then they just have like, curl curls all of a sudden. And I was in the front row for some show, and we had a move. I don't remember what the song was, but it was, I think it was the last song. And we had this move where we had like flick our wrists and uh-huh. like move our arms up in the air, and the girl next to me flicked my no. hair. And she my ponytail, ponytail off. Yeah, my ponytail flew in the air, landed in front of me. <laughs> no, it was a total accident, but like I was like, you know, professional as hell and just kept dancing 
with the, my hair on the floor. And then it kept getting kicked around on the stage. And one of my friends in the audience was like, I thought a rat was on the stage, like crawling around. It's like bouncing back and forth. It was tumbleweave. Yeah, it was, it was literal tumbleweave. tumbleweave. And then as we bowed, I just like try to gracefully pick it up and then walk off the stage. Oh my God, I love it. But yeah. Um, love it. But yeah, Chuck Hire was my life at the time in, yeah. in high school. So much drama. And uh, then I went when I went to college, I wanted to do more stuff like yeah. that. Then they had this musical group called First Year Players where mm-hmm. they would create a musical for the first years to be in. So mm-hmm. the first years would be in the cast and then like upperclassmen would direct and mm-hmm. produce mm-hmm. And, and scene design and other stuff behind the scenes. And I was in Sugar and Godspell and uh, and also, fun fact, Tina Fey went to UVA. Yeah. She was also in Godspell at some point in oh, time. Wow. And I brought that up to her one time. <laughs> and she was like, what she I never got curved so hard. <laughs> no, if she was very nice. But like I remember uh, some SNL party, uh, Rachel Dratch, I had already met her before. Yeah. And she was so nice. And yeah. she was like, oh. She seems nice. She's so nice. nice. Um, and hilarious. Yeah. And she was like, oh, Tina's here. And you, bo- you both went to UVA. You should talk about that. Uh-huh. So I walked up to her and I was like, hey, we both went to UVA. And I, I know that we both did gospel at different times. And she was like, oh, cool. Um, and she like whispered to her husband, like, can we go? Like, uh, I don't and it had nothing to do with me. I think uh, she was just. Did it have nothing to do with Well, me? I don't know. But <laughs> she, I think she was just tired. She's ready to go. She just, she has kids. Like, yeah. it's like late. I don't yeah. think, she, I think she was like. Oh, is this the start of the conversation? I don't care. It's like, which I totally get. Someone came up to me and was like, "Hey, I went to the same school years after you did." And like, do you remember the lunchroom? Like, I don't care. Like, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to do <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it's that's nice, but let's do this later. Yeah. Not, not but it's, I mean, like, you're famous now. When you feel sure. like that, what do you do? When I feel like I, I don't want to be in this conversation. Well, I, the thing I found that works so far, and I it hasn't. Uh, backfired is i'll just like ask somebody's name again like oh what was your name again and they're like oh sam it was so nice to meet you ah. and that feels like a definitive end that's to the like, conversation to go. yeah that's smart yeah rarely has someone been like and you know like yeah. after that yeah. oh wait are you ending the interview well it was so nice to meet you <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> so after uva you're on top of the world and oh. you step out into life um yes so uh, did musicals and then my friends who were doing musicals were also doing plays and some were doing improv and then some friends of mine were like you should audition for the improv group and then I did didn't make it but started my own group and then um, take that world I mean that's kind of the how most things in my life go where it's like I get a no here and then I'm like well I'm just gonna do my own thing and still then that, yeah I mean like what's the last no you got What's the last? I mean, I've gotten so many. <laughs> just and I mean, I you're constantly getting rejection. Like, no, they didn't want you for this part, or no, you know, this is not the year you're going to do this special, or like, yeah, that just happens. And but you just deal with it. Yeah, but and that's okay. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so UVA improv, making it, doing it, making it, doing it, and then the um, touring company for the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Yes, comes to my school, performs. And I'm amazed. I'm just like, I got to go where they're, wherever they came yeah. from. So who was in it when they came by? I mean, it was an all-star cast. It was Neil Casey, <clears throat> Bobby Moynihan, Shannon O'Neill. I want to say Zach Woods, but I'm not certain okay. if that's true. Um, oh, Lennon Parham was there, too. Huh. He was on uh, Playing House on USA. Yeah. 
And yeah, that was, it was just like such an incredible show. Uh-huh. And afterwards, there was a Q&A between the uh, improv students and the improvisers oh, nice. from New York. And someone asked, how do you get a a career in comedy? And Bobby was mm-hmm. like, oh, you move to New York, go to UCB and work really, really hard. And okay. months later, he was cast on SNL. And I was like, he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> But I was already hooked. I was like, I'm going to go to New York. That was the plan anyway. Yeah. But I was, I thought I was going to do Broadway. I thought I was going to do theater. Ooh. But then I, I realized that grind wasn't for me. It, what grind? The Broadway grind. Okay. It is a grind. Like, yeah. you, I would, you know, go to these buildings, seven in the morning, wait outside to be seen. Yeah. And you wait hours. And then by the time you get in there, you're sweaty. <laughs> like, <laughs> all these people with SAG cards are just passing you. I felt like a second class citizen. And like, I was like, ah, this is not for me. <laughs> And then um, I kept seeing shows at UCB. I kept, like, going to watch mm-hmm. comedy shows. And eventually was like, I should just try it. Yeah. Because yeah, know- that's so much easier, making I, it in yeah, that no. world. <laughs> but that was, that was when I started to realize that's what I wanted. Okay. It's not easier, but it is, like, I felt at home. Like, when I was mm. in that space and I was watching the show, I was mm. like, these are my people. This is what I What made them understand. your people? Just like the way they were doing, like the, the I would watch certain people and be like, I would do that. I yeah. would do it that way. Like there was Peter Gross and uh, John Lutz have a group, Two Square, that I would watch. And it's like, I remember watching and watching Peter Gross in particular and being like, I would do everything he's doing. Hmm. I would like, I love that. Either I love that move, I would do that, or I wish I could do that. Or I want to do that at some point in time. And um yeah, I I just really fell in love with improv and watching. So cool. I got obsessed. Like, really, I, I was one of those nerds that got obsessed and would wait in line for hours to go watch a show and like be in the basement and sit on the floor and watch these people perform for free. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I just got wrapped up in, in it. And then eventually was performing on the stage myself. With and you got into UCB. Yeah, yeah, I got on. I mean, in. In a way that I chose to, because I auditioned for the house teams, which are called Herald teams. Uh, what does that mean? It's uh, improv teams that perform regularly every week. So okay. on Tuesday nights, they have Herald night, uh-huh. and like eight teams mm-hmm. will perform. Gotcha. And and the student, it's a time for the students to really go and just like ogle over the the improv all stars yeah, there yeah. at the theater. And uh, they also have sketch teams that are called mod teams. And and then other shows throughout the week, but oh, Harold Mod, mm-hmm. ah. yeah, 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 okay, funny, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I auditioned for a Harold team, did not make it, and I had two friends, Nicole Byer and Keisha Zoller, who yeah. I improvised with separately. Nicole Byer is the only person you follow on Twitter. This is true. <laughs> this is true. She's great. Yeah, I wanted to whittle it down for <laughs> for, for for Instagram and for uh, Twitter. She's it's over- very Kanye because I, I think Kanye only follows Kim. I mean, she's my Kim, <laughs> <laughs> and because um, it just filters out the. It's, you know, and I there's a lot of there's BS lot of, on Twitter. Yeah, I don't. I just I'll only focus on that. Yes, and then and then I don't spend time just like scrolling mm-hmm. on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'll be mm-hmm. like, oh, that's what she said, and then <laughs> close it up. Bam. Yeah. So so Nicole and the other friend Keisha Zoller. Yes, and then uh, yeah, they also auditioned. They're also two black women mm-hmm. who are very talented. None of us made Harold teams, and uh, both people were like. We need to work harder. We need to have mm. our own show. We need to mm. like take over this this whole scene. Yeah. And I was like, that's so great. What if we combined our forces and did it 
with a th- comedy Destiny's Child. We, it was supposed to be comedy's Destiny's Child. <laughs> Who's the Beyonce? I mean, I would say. <laughs> um, I feel like a Beyonce would never say she's a Beyonce. Exactly. Although Kelly would say, well, I'm the second lead singer. <laughs> and then Beyonce would go. <laughs> <clears throat> Have you seen the scene? This is back when they were still a foursome. Uh-huh. And they were kicking out the two members. And they tell the girl in the studio on camera. Oh, you should go get your stuff. You should go get your bags. Yeah. You should, but you should leave. <laughs> and she's like, well, I don't have my bags. And then Beyonce's like, we'll mail it to you. <laughs> Okay, I digress. I miss Beyonce doing interviews. She's so funny. She Because she just doesn't know she's funny, which makes it even funnier. Yes. She's just like, well, this is who I am. Yeah. Now you can, like, be as mysterious as you want. Exactly. But there was a time when she was, like, she was just just talking about Popeyes all the time. (laughs) They sent her a lifetime membership. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) And she was country. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Anyway, Um, you make your Destiny's Child. Yes. Rocking and rolling. And, um, And we really, like... Blew up like people were. What'd you call yourselves? Doppelganger. Eh, it's because y'all all were three black women. That, but mostly because people confused us, <laughs> which <laughs> was astounding to us. But yeah, people in the community <laughs> kind of gave us that name because they were just like, "Oh, I heard you did such and such." And it's like, "Oh, that's Nicole. That's not me." <laughs> yeah. Or like, but yeah, just like literally confuse us for each other, and like we don't look the same, yeah. we don't, don't sound the same, we don't have the same kind of humor. Like we're just different, different. people. Um, so yeah, so Doppelganger was like it. a little cheeky. There are like name for us. three other black guys in public radio that look like they don't look like me actually. I, 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 I refuse to accept that mindset. They're black guys mm-hmm. who are bald, mm-hmm. and people always confuse us. And I'm like, whatever. Uh, but one time, someone confused me for John Asante, a good friend of mine in radio, and I was like, oh, you're talking about John Asante, my good friend who maybe looks like me. I don't know, but he that's him. And this person, instead of saying, oh my god, I'm sorry, she goes, well, you do look like him though. See, people <laughs> need to sit down. I've, I've gotten so many different reactions from that kind of mm-hmm. interaction mm-hmm. where it is some people get angry yeah. or like, defensive. How dare you? Yeah. I was in a restaurant in New Orleans and the host was like, welcome back. And I was like, oh, I've never been here before. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I am. <laughs> So sorry. And I was like, it's fine. It's fine. It's cool. It's cool. Just see me. Exactly. And then his friend, like a waiter or something, was like, oh, you're really messed up, John. Oh, you better. I hope you got the noose at home. Which was like my – and then I had my friend with me who is white and was like, did he mention noose (laughs) – to, After the first, like because, like was he was this a like a lynching thing? And I was like, I don't think that was it. I think he was saying hang, you, you he just messed hung up. Yourself. Yeah, you messed up so bad that you should hang yourself, which is also extreme. Yeah, like I don't think yeah. no one should be hung for this situation. <laughs> <laughs> so doppelganger, just to back up, this is your performance group that you mentioned. You're beginning to make a splash in the New York comedy scene. How long was all of that part of your life? That group. Let's see. I mean, still part of my life. Yeah, we still, we, still do we stuff. just yeah, we just had a show. At the Del Close Marathon, which is UCB's 72-hour improv festival in the summer. And uh, we've definitely – the amount of shows have decreased for us because Nicole is in L.A. And we're all busy. So it's like kind of whenever we're together, we'll do it. Bring back the old gang. Yeah. But we're trying to do it more often. But yeah, we uh, we we performed for a couple of years at the theater, and then like the theater took notice. So then we got a run at the theater, and then we became like a house team at the yeah. theater and had our own 
regular night. Nice. So it's like we became a house team without having to do UCB. Do the UCB. Yeah, we didn't And then have they to... came calling for y'all. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. So it's like I got to know. Mhm. You made it a yes. And we made it a yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And because we were doing so well and we're like getting noticed, um the artistic director Anthony King told some producers at SNL, "Hey, you guys should look at these ladies because they're wow. very funny." And they're here consistently. Come look. And so one of the producers came, saw us. This was maybe 2011 or something. And was like, you guys are funny. You should all submit tapes and writing packets to the show. So we did that that year and then the next year and the next year. And then 2014, I got hired. Now, were you part of – there was that secret black lady audition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that you? That I was in that, yeah, yeah. There was one How in the... New York and one in L.A. So for those listeners that don't know about this, there was a big brouhaha about how Lauren and, and like SNL just didn't do right by black comedy talent and didn't hire folks. And then Keenan said something and something else happened. But before you know it, right, like Lauren has like a secret audition for black people, black ladies or black men or both? Black women. So there was a secret black woman audition for SNL. Mm-hmm. What the hell was that like? It was interesting. And I how was, did they reach out to you? Were they, were they like? I I had I was already thinking about like putting together a submission tape because mm-hmm. you put together a tape five minutes of whatever you want. Yeah, um, could be a combination <clears throat> of impressions or original characters or stand up mm-hmm. or whatever. And so I was like in my mind planning for summer of 2014. Yeah, in, at the end of 2013. So yeah. I was like, let me put this tape together. And start working on it, like really work on mm-hmm. it. And if I don't get hired this year, then that's it. Then that's you're gonna stop. I was gonna stop. Yeah. Okay. And, and you're still doing doppelganger and the other stuff at this time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And I sent my manager a practice tape. Okay. I like recorded on my phone. Oh wow. Um, edited it with iMovie, <laughs> just like used wigs that were <laughs> oh, in my closet. Oh, iMovie. Back in the day. <laughs> Back in the day. And then sent it to him, and I was like, "Give me notes. Uh, what? You know, tell me what you think." And then he goes, maybe like a day later, was like, oh, they actually need this now because they're looking for they're looking for more cast members. And I was yeah. like, oh, um, okay, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind yeah. of a practice round. But yeah, send it. And then maybe that week or the, the week after they were had a showcase where uh-huh. you do your act in front of an audience and the producers of the show and Lorne. And, uh, is he as creepy as I think he is? He's not creepy. He just seems like one of those guys that never says anything. So I always like, what are you thinking? <laughs> like, what are you thinking? You're too quiet. He is very quiet. But I think I get it. Okay. Because he has created this huge institution yeah. and has created like tons of careers. Yeah. and As a Canadian. Ha- taking our jobs, <laughs> coming to this country. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> um, and yeah, he's just like has a huge influence on comedy. Yeah. And he probably has a lot of people asking him for things. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you get to that point, you just uh, like, I'm you not going like, to talk. Yeah. You're like, I'm not going to look at you. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to make small talk with you because like, I don't have time. I don't have time. It's just easier that way. Yeah. Like, it can come off as like, scary or aloof or mysterious or whatever but i i could also see being like you have to do that yeah i'm just talking i'm not talking to anybody mm-hmm. it's kind of like cat calls like when uh, you're walking down the street and like someone cat calls you you just ignore them but if someone's like hey miss you look beautiful like a nice thing yes i'm sorry man i can't talk to you either because then Cause i gotta I, talk to everybody exactly. like i just gotta shut it down yeah 
and just keep looking straight with my sunglasses yeah. on with my headphones yeah. in and I'm not talking to anybody. Yeah. I could. Let me tell you why I could never be a woman because I, I got catcalled once and I almost died. Anyway. One time I was walking down the street and I was talking to my dad on the phone uh-huh. and this man tried to holler in some sort of way mm-hmm. and then I ignored it, kept walking and he goes, well, you know what? You and this and that, you don't like black dudes, do you? Oh, and just like, yeah. just shouting so aggressively at me, and then I, I didn't respond. But I, and also my dad's on the phone, so I'm gonna try like cover <laughs> the mouth so he doesn't hear yeah. any of this. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, everything's fine in New York, Dad. Everything's great. <laughs> and then I go to the park and just cry because oh, no. it was so, so rough. It was yeah. such a, a violent, aggressive yell at me, and I was like, for what? Mm-hmm. Why? And like, what the worst part is that that guy moved on as soon as you walked away. Yeah, and then and I'm you got to affected. Live with that. Yeah, I'm like emotionally and physically yeah. affected by this. Yeah. But he was like, I, yeah, it was just so strange to like to turn like that. Yeah. And then like, and then what? I'm supposed to be like, oh, you know oh, what? You're, you're right. On second thought. Uh huh. <laughs> Sorry, my Yell mistake. Yell me some more. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So the audition. So they they ask for your tape. Oh my God, I'm bouncing around so much. <laughs> no, it's it's my fault because I'm I'm leading you down hallways. Um, uh, but it's Brent. We'll cut it. Brent, fix it in post, okay? Um, so no, leave it all just like this. <laughs> Don't change a thing. So uh, the audition happens. Yes. How did how did they tell you that it was going to be that? I'm. I think they are they are very upfront about it. They were just like, "This is what's happening." They and didn't how, beat her on the bush and were like. Oh, yeah, other people will be here. It's like, no, we're looking for a black woman because America told us that they, we need a black woman. So. How was that? How did you feel about that? You know, I, I wanted to be on the show anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think it was like a rushed thing that maybe didn't have to be handled that way. Yeah. I just assumed that they would have tried to find somebody in the summer when they usually look for yeah. people. Yeah. Um, because they were never in a rush about this stuff before. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know what the urgency was. Yeah, and yeah, but but you get they there. Did, I get. I got there, and then how but, many people were there? Maybe ten to twelve. I can't oh, wow. remember. An elite crew. Yeah, that honestly was very awesome. I was really? actually really honored and like felt so lucky to be around so many very talented black mm. women. Mm. There were some people I never met before. Yeah, but I was like, oh, you're here. Yeah, it was so cool to see yeah. like. Other people doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Was there a sisterhood? I don't. I mean, you know, it, you know, it's like a, it's, it's so quick. Yeah. It's we didn't like have time to really hang. Uh-huh. We we all got dinner after okay. the auditions, which was nice. Um, but I did make uh, some friends, or like got closer to people that I already knew, yeah. which was nice. And um, like Amber Ruffin, I never met her before uh-huh. that moment, and she writes for Late Night with Seth Meyers. Nice. That's the job she got from yeah. that audition because um, Seth was transitioning from SNL to late night. And so, uh-huh. like, we all, it was, like, a nice chunk of people got jobs from that audition, That's which good. was nice. But I wouldn't have known her otherwise. Yeah. Or, or maybe I would have, but, like, you know, who knows when we would have came across each other. Mm-hmm. We're usually spread out. Like, yeah. rarely are we put on the same show uh-huh. or, like, in places where we're in the same writing room because there's usually only space for one. Yeah. <laughs> or a couple. Yeah. And not at the same time. So it was nice to be... In a space with a bunch of us and killing it. Hell yeah. That was pretty awesome. Hell yeah. And um, and I th- I'm pretty sure most people from that group are doing very well, which is nice. Yeah. You know, like on different TV shows yeah. and stuff. How many folks made it from the audition? You made it. Was Leslie Jones there too? Yeah, Leslie was there. And they made her a writer first. Yeah, they made her a writer. And LaKendra Tooks. They hired, yeah, the three of us, me, LaKendra, and Leslie. What was LaKendra doing? 
Um, what is she doing now? Or? Or, so was she writing or was she on? She was hired as a writer. Okay. writer. Cool, cool. So yeah, they hired two writers and me as a cast member. Yes. And then they did not bring Lakendra back the next year, even though I thought she killed it the first mm. the first three weeks we were there. She wrote like two songs. Oh, wow. She, I mean, she, she did it, which is a great record for anybody yeah, who's yeah, on the yeah. show. But, you know, things happen. Things People happen. get fired all the time. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so they didn't bring Lakendra back and they made Leslie a cast member the next year. And so and, then there's two black women on SNL. And then there's two. And then there's no more black writers. Oh, um, but the performers, right? So yeah. we did have that. Okay. Okay. Um, but they did hire Natasha Rothwell, who was also someone who was in the Secret Black audition. Yeah, and uh, I love her so much, and she's just so talented. Oh, and she's she's on Insecure now. Oh, and is like doing her own stuff soon that show too. Was so good. Yeah, that show was so good. Yeah. So you did SNL for what? A few years? For three and a half years, four okay. seasons, technically. You liked it? I did. Yeah. Okay. Huge, like great learning experience. I was surrounded by the funniest, most talented writers and performers in the biz. Yeah. I learned about the biz and, like, teamwork, and I feel like I became a better writer by the time I left. And, yeah, I just, like, it was a really great experience. What most surprised you about SNL life? Like, what thing were you like, oh, I didn't know it was like that? Because I'm sure everyone in the biz hears about what it's like to be on that show, Mm -hmm. and everyone talks about it. But, like, when you got there, what was weird? What surprised you? I mean, I guess I did. I knew the schedule was wacky, but I guess I didn't know that you were always on call. So, like, as in, like, they could just call you whenever mm-hmm. to do what? Anything. Be in a sketch because we rewrote it, and now you're in the sketch, or to do a voiceover for a sketch, or take huh. a picture, or whatever. So, like, so you can't leave New York, really? No, you definitely can't leave New York. I mean, not uh, during the work week. Yeah. During breaks, yeah. Yes. I always get out of town yeah. immediately because um, I just need to, like, veg out mm-hmm. and go, go to a beach. Mm-hmm. Um, but during the week, yeah, you you need to be in town and close. There was one, one day in particular where I left the studio because uh-huh. I was like, I'm all done with my rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Time to go home. Mm-hmm. And then I was going over the Brooklyn Bridge and I got a text. Oh, and I was on the train. Mm-hmm. And I got a text. I was like, hey, can you come back to the studio? Because mm-hmm. uh, we need you to now be in this sketch. And I was like, oh, okay. And so, I, But I was still on the bridge. So I yeah. had to wait till I got all the way to Brooklyn, and then get off and then transfer and come back. And oh, then I got another text. I was like, you know what? Never mind. Shut up. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. That's <laughs> rough. I had to go back yeah. to Manhattan, transfer, and then go back home. Yeah. But uh, by the time I left, I got better at being like... <laughs> You don't need me for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing it. Yeah. I'm not doing this today. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you learn, like, oh, what do you want? You want me to come into the city? And I lived in Brooklyn. I, mm-hmm. and I We're was in Brooklyn. Like, I'm in Fort Greene now. Oh, nice. But I was in Williamsburg when I started and then did move to Fort Greene. Uh, but I was like, oh, you want me to come for one line? We can rehearse tomorrow. And, I, yeah. and and we can. We yeah. always can. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it took a learning curve for me to realize what I can mm-hmm. push for instead of being like, oh, I'll be there right away. Yeah. Whatever you want. Yeah. How much can you talk about how you left SNL? Because when it happened, everyone was like, whoa, that, well, that was out of the blue. Yeah. Um, do you talk about that? Yeah, I don't really want, want to. And not because someone's telling me not to. Okay. But just because, like... It's still very new for me. Yeah. Was it, it your choice? It was my choice, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, but, you know, it's it's a breakup. It's a public breakup. Mm. So it's like if you broke up with somebody, yeah. you don't really want to talk about it all the time. Yeah. So I kind of – I probably will talk about it one day. Yeah. But 
And that man was trifling anyway. You don't need him. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes you just need a breakup. <laughs> <laughs> so you leave SNL. Is it a really hopeful time for you now? A fearful time? Like, you obviously have a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. But, like, is it weird to, like, step away from being in people's TV screens every weekend? Hmm. I mean, it's very, it's a very hopeful time. Mm. I'm so excited. I'm excited for you. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the energy I've been receiving, which has been really nice. Except Even from, from the universe. people from the show. Just like, you know, people are excited to see what I'm going to do next. And I'm excited to do something mm-hmm. else and and do stuff that's more in my, my voice and, you know, how I dictate it. And yeah, um, yeah I'm, I am busy. I'm doing stand up, going to Montreal soon and, and to do my hour and going to Toronto and. Uh, I I have things that are bubbling and I can't really talk about them because they're okay. not like you know yeah. set in stone yeah. yet. But you know things are happening which I'm very excited about and, and yeah I just I'm ready to like take over. You're about to release your first like Beyonce solo album. I'm gonna <laughs> release my lemonade. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Alrighty, we did it. Woo. We're done. Woo. Sashir Zameda. She was so great. Next time, no ice cream, maybe pizza. Her comedy special is on CISO right now. It's called Pizza Mind. Also, if you are in New York, catch Sashir's monthly variety show at the Bell House in Brooklyn. That show's called Sashir Zameda Party Time. All right. Back on Friday with our weekly wrap. Just a note, that episode will be a few hours later than usual. I'll be recording that episode on Friday from New Orleans this week. I'll be there for the National Association of Black Journalists Conference. So uh, send me your New Orleans food recommendations. Okay? All right, that's it. I'm Sam Sanders. Thanks for listening. Talk soon. I actually saw um, this happen on a plane. So we go through the gate, and the person who's scanning our um, tickets is a white lady with mm-hmm. glasses and a ponytail. Mm-hmm. We get onto the plane, and one of the stewardesses is a white lady with glasses and a ponytail. And mm-hmm. and I was sitting down because I was in first class. So I was. <laughs> yeah, you were. Yes, you were, Beyonce. <laughs> And so I was watching people come on the plane, and the, there's a black family coming on, and the guy was like to the to, to flight attendant, hey, weren't you just the person who was uh, scanning our tickets? And she's like, no, sir, not all women with glasses and ponytails look alike. <laughs> and we all died. I love it. I love <laughs> We're all it. just like laughing and clapping. Everyone <laughs> high-fived. And, and he was like, well, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> 